Thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast from Discovery Church. Our hope is that this message would help you seek truth and find purpose. If you would like to know more about Discovery Church, please check us out online at mydiscoverychurch.ca. With that said, let's go to this week's message. And uh, we're right in this middle of this series called Decisions. And it's based around this idea that not even an idea, but this principle that every decision that we make matters. We have huge decisions and and small decisions, but we have hundreds of decisions that we make every day. And some of them that we make, actually we make them just out of routine. And we don't even realize that we make them. And that our, our meaningful life is not defined by three or four major decisions in your life, but a meaningful life is actually defined by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little decisions stacked up on top of each other. And last week we talked about how uh, God don't just deserve good decisions, he deserves our best decisions. And this is like week uh, six right now, so you can actually jump online, uh, you go to our webpage, or you can look, at, look us up on iTunes, and you can download the podcast, and you can catch up if, if you're like, man, I want to hear what the rest of the this, this decision story w- was like. Uh, jump online, mydiscoverychurch.ca, and go to messages, and you can go and you can go back on. Today's message is titled, Connect. And I remember being uh, transitioning between junior high and senior high. Anybody remember transitioning between junior high and senior high? Anybody like too young to transition there yet? And people were like, man, I don't want, those are years that I want to forget. Don't bring them back. Well, I remember transitioning between junior high and senior high. And I was faced with one of the biggest decisions of my entire life up to that point, if not the biggest decision. Unfortunately, it is lots of times is this age group between junior high and senior high that um, we sort of shift from like childhood into like we're starting to be maybe a little bit more adult. And we think that we, we have the ability to make life changing decisions. And sometimes we do. And some of the things that we do between in those few crucial years affects our story for years and years and years to come. And I remember having a group of friends, about six of us. See, I grew up in a town of 500 people. You knew everybody. And if you didn't want to be friends with the six local kids, you kind of didn't have friends at all. It was kind of like, it wasn't like, oh, do you play basketball? Yes or no. I'm, it was kind of like, do you eat and breathe? Cool, I want to be your friend. That's kind of like, I grew up in this town of 500 people, and I had this close group of friends, about six of us. We would do everything together. We would, uh, in Newfoundland, we would jump copy panning. If you don't know what copy panning is, it was when the ice would break up in, in the spring, and you would literally like jump from one pan of ice to another pan of ice to another pan to another pan. Sometimes you would fall in, we would play basketball. We would do everything together. We would throw rocks, because that's a, a, a definition of a good friend right there. We, everything. We would be attached at the hip. But what happened in the transition between grade 9 and grade 10, my five other friends started to experimenting with something more than throwing rocks at like cars and stuff. We, they started experimenting with things you probably shouldn't drink, things they shouldn't be smoking at the time at their age, things they shouldn't be doing. And I kind of was faced with this decision of that, do I want my future to be defined in that moment or do I remove myself from everything that I've known for the last five or six years within my friend circles? And I remember having this conversation with God, kind of like, God, what do you want me to do? And of course, he was like, well, I want you to have a good future. I don't want you, not that I don't want you to associate with people that are, are, are in, in, in these things that you probably shouldn't be in at, at your age, but it will define your future. So I remember that summer specifically. I removed myself. My friends were kind of like, hey, I just... 
what are you doing today? You want to come party with? Ah, no, man, I, my mom wants me to cut the grass. Um, just making these excuses. I remember removing myself. But like any teenager, friendships were, were, were crucial. Friendships were meaningful. And I remember having a conversation and praying to God, God, if you want me to do this, if you want my future to go in a direction that pleases you, you're going to have to bring me friends. And I remember uh, starting grade 10 and praying this prayer. And I've already removed myself from my bus friends. I would still get on the bus with them. I would, I would still like, kind of like sit in the seats with them. But they knew that I was disconnecting. They, were, they would make fun of me. They would, they would do things that I was like, you know what? I just don't want what your future looks like. I see my brother go through it, and I don't want it. And I remember praying the prayer, saying, God, if you want me to stay this course, you've got to bring me friends. And uh, guess what? God answers prayers. And I remember finding friends in the most unlikely place. If, you, if, you, if you're in sport, the sports world or if you grew up playing sports, you kind of realize and understand that there's not a lot of Christians within the sports world. I, hopefully it changes in professional sports and there's people that are shifting that culture a little bit that there are Christians in the sports world. But in high school, it's usually very hard to find. And the Christians that are Christians are kind of like, sometimes they're like, eh, I'm not really sure. Like I'm a Christian in my bedroom and at home. I don't swear, but on the court I do. But I found some really good friends playing basketball, which is insane. But um, I, am, I am so thankful for those friends because those friends helped me become who I am today. Your parents have probably told you before, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You've probably heard that. You've probably used it on your kids. You've heard it from moms, from dads, from good friends. Those 10 words, though, those 10 simple words, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, does really have the ability to define our lives. We probably all know people that are on the positive side of that, that, that found good friends, and now their future is a positive one and, and one that's directed towards something and, and, and shooting for their dreams because they have friends that show them their future. And we probably know people, or maybe we are those people, that selected bad friends and are now living in some of the negative of selecting bad friends because they potentially dragged us down. But what about today? I know we have people from all ages here this morning, but what if the people that we hang out today, hanging out with today, are shaping the person that we become tomorrow? Friends have the power to shape our future. It's midnight, and you get the call that every parent dreads. That your son, who just got his license, who's three weeks into his license, was just in a head-on collision with, with another car, and he's, he's being rushed to the ER. Or you're, you're preparing supper, and your husband comes home, and uh, your kids are outside playing, and, and you have a, a little one on your hip, and your husband comes home, and he says, honey, uh, well, not really honey anymore, but... I've been having an affair. What do you do? Or for the, the job that you've been at for the last 15 years that you thought was going really well, um, your boss comes in and says, yeah, um, the board just met and we decided to eliminate your, your position and we're downsizing. You have to 5 o'clock today to uh, leave the building. What do you do in moments like that? 
Most people would call a family member or a close friend. But what's crazy is that most people would wish that they would have a close friend to call. How many people in our society, how many people in this room, how many people in our neighborhoods are walking through things like this and there's nobody in their lives that they can call on? I'm not talking about the 336 Facebook friends or the 1,342 Instagram followers. If you have that many, that's impressive, just so you know. But I'm not talking about that, that, those friends. The stories that we want to be told about our lives will not be possible if we don't have friends in our lives to help us tell them. See, our society, individually, we're more connected than, than any other time in our world, but it is the most lonely time that we've ever lived. The average person has just over 300 Facebook friends. But only two people that they call close friends. That's one-third of what 20 years ago. Statistics a little bit further. One in four people would not have someone that they could call a close friend. Someone that when the crap hits the fan... They cannot call. That's one in four. That's, that's 25% of people that have zero people, nada, nobody that they would call. They're walking through these, these, these dark moments in their lives, and they have nobody that they can call on. See, we're called to have meaningful connections. We're called to have meaningful relationships face-to-face, not screen, just screen-to-screen. Not saying that, that social media and, and our world getting smaller hasn't had some benefits in our, in our lives. It has. I can FaceTime my parents every single day, with, with, and they can see their grandkids. That's a great thing. But if, if I'm just looking at social media for my friends and not a face-to-face connection, guess what? When my, when my son, which I hope never happens, has a head-on collision and is rushed to the ER, I got nobody to call unless I make friends and connections that go beyond a like on Facebook. But this is why I find this cool is that we get to create friendships and relationships and Discovery Church can be the place where people can explore and become friends with one another. And, and that not only can we be friends with here with friends, I'm not saying that we have to be friends with every single person here, but what if, what if people that came into Discovery Church actually came in, man, they're, they're, fri- they're friendly, they're texting me, they're calling me. How you doing? We're praying for it. Like, we can create friendships here because we're, we're not just trying to create a moment of great worship or, or great lights and, and kids and co- coffee and a great roadside experience. We, we want all that, but ultimately we need friendships. We, we, we talk about how we want to open our front door to make a bigger access point for more people to come in, but we want to close the back door because we don't just want people coming in and coming out. This stuff is great. I love it. I'm glad church is exciting. I grew up in a church that was not exciting, okay? Lucky if they turned the house lights on. They're like, oh, there's enough sun. Like, literally, it was like, I'm glad that church is shifted and church is fun, but this is why churches can go through through moral failures, bankruptcy, buildings burning down, et cetera, et cetera. And people are like, yeah, I'm staying. Why? Because there's friends there. Connection is important. Put yourself here this morning. You may be one friendship away from changing your destiny. 
or you may be one connection away from changing the world. You may be one individual away from telling a story about yourself that you will want your kids and your kids' kids to remember. See, we all need friends. There's a deep desire inside of all of us to be needed and to be wanted and to have somebody that you could call on and do face-to-face relationship. Hey, what are you doing today? Nothing. Come over and hang out. We need friends who make us better. We need friends uh, who help us grow in our faith. And we also need friends that tell us the truth, truth, especially when you don't want to hear it. That's a tough one. We need friends in those three areas. I just wanted to look at a guy by the name of David in the Bible. And we've used David often. David is probably one of my favorite because he's like this superhero, but he's also like this major screw-up. <laughs> okay, he's like this two different, two different spectrums, literally. He's like he's, he's this, this man after God's own heart, and then over here he's a murderer. And it's kind of like, I think I could find myself in between this guy somewhere. But God still calls him, after all this stuff, he still calls him a man after God's own heart. I want to look at him again this morning. There's a guy, this is the same guy who was a kid who killed Goliath, who ripped apart bear, uh, uh, bears with his, with his hands, killed lions. He was the same guy that was a shepherd. Is this Goliath? He was the, the, the first underdog, or one of the first underdog stories, the greatest underdog story, in my opinion, of all times. He's a pretty impressive dude, but if you know that about David... You probably also know that he didn't have the perfect life. He made mistakes and he has shortcomings. But if you study David's life, it becomes clear that right people at the right time helped him become the right person. So let that sink in for a moment. The right people at the right time helped him to become the right person. At a time when, when God was shifting Saul out of being kingship and out of being the king of Israel, God sent word to a prophet named Samuel to go to the house of Jesse, which was David's dad, and in the house of Jesse, he would find a king. And in those days, prophets would go and would anoint people with oil and, and sort of call out his destiny. So he goes to Jesse's house, and Jesse lines up all of his sons. And Samuel prays about each one, and each son is tall and, and handsome and strong. Like, like if you were to look at them, he, they were king material. And he goes through every one of them. And he's like, no, none of these are it. You got another one? Well, yeah, but it, it's only David. He's, he's out in the field somewhere taking care of sheep. He's probably smelly, and he, he, he usually doesn't even come home at night. He usually sleeps. Can't be with him. Samuel's like, no, send for him. God said it's coming from your house. So he sends for David. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 16 and 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Samuel went through every brother, and he came across David. And this is what God says in verse 12 to Samuel. It says, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Now, if you could put yourself in that moment, 
All of David's brothers, all the family would have been shocked. David, the shepherd, the small scrawny runt of the family is going to be king? David was just a kid. I wouldn't even pick him for my baseball team, let alone to lead my country. But God used Samuel, a friend of, friend of David, to see God's will for his life and to see that his life was more significant than anyone could have imagined. Samuel made David better. He helped him see himself the way that God saw him as a leader, a warrior, a poet, a king. Who in your life today is a friend that helps you see yourself better? That in the monks of all your mess-ups, all my mess-ups, who in my life helps me see that God has a plan for my life and that God has a destiny and that no, no one can stop him? Who, who calls those things out when you're, when you're in one of your darkest moments? Do you have that friend? Samuel was that friend that helped David be a better person. And then there was Jonathan. He helped David find strength in God when he needed it most. See, David was chosen to be the next king, but Jonathan was actually the son of Saul, who was the current king. And Saul knew that David was finding favor amongst all the people. There's actually a, a psalm that, that's written, and it says, David, or Saul killed thousands, and David killed tens of thousands. There was a song that they were singing, and Saul was upset. He was jealous. So what does Saul do? Saul actually plots to kill David. David has to flee for his life. Here is the future king. God, you anointed me to be king. Now I have to run and hide in caves and, and, and not shower and not clean. I can't even, like, where am I going to eat? And here comes Jonathan, an unlikely person, the son of the person that was trying to kill him, in David's darkest moment. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 23, 15 and 16. While David was at Horish, in the desert of Zeph, I can't get some of these words, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David and helped him, figure, or helped him find strength in God. Who in your life helps you find strength in God and to grow in your faith? It was a year ago this week that uh, I met with a school that's in this local area about planting Discovery Church, starting Discovery Church in their school. Yeah, I chatted with the principal, chatted to the school board, everything was going fine. Cool, awesome. You know, you made that, that handshake, that verbal agreement that we're going to have this, a school in, at, next year, the start of September. I remember going through the launching, and I remember specifically September, or August the 23rd, the first day that teachers were back, the first day that the people uh, that worked in the offices downtown back, getting a call at 9.30 in the morning. And at 9.30 in the morning, two weeks before our first pre-launch service, I get a call from those that deal with rentals and saying, yeah, the school doesn't want you guys anymore. Two weeks away! A dark moment. Literally, I was out working in, in my garage, and I, I, I went in and told Sean Liam, and she's like, are you kidding me right now? We're two, weeks, like, we're two weeks away from starting, and we don't have a location. And I remember uh, texting a couple of friends, and one of them were, was, was Ken McIntyre, and Ken is a pastor at Millwood's Assembly, now Hope City, uh, Hope City Church in our, in, our, in our city, good friend of mine. I remember texting him, and he called me right away. He was like, what, what's going on? I told him the story, and he said, look, stop for a moment. He said, God wants this more than you want this. 
He's like, God wants this church more than you want this church. And at that point, at this point, I wanted this church. There was a lot of sweat and tears and, and probably even blood through building a few boxes and nipping a few fingers with equipment. And there's, there's blood, sweat, and tears put into this church. But God wanted it more than I wanted it. And Ken was a friend that helped me see in a dark moment that God had this under control. Who, helped, who helps you find strength? And God. And then along comes Nathan. Now, this is a friend that we all need, but we all hate at the same time. Because this is a friend that calls you out when you know that you're doing something wrong. So you continue with the story of David. Uh, when there was a time of war and kings were supposed to be out fighting this battle, David decides, nah, I'll let my people go. I'm going to stay home. And he's, he's wandering around on the top of his palace, and he looks over his palace edge, and he sees his neighbor's wife bathing. And, he, and he's overcome with, with lust, and he sends for this, this Bathsheba, and Bathsheba comes, and, 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 and they sleep together, and she, be, she becomes pregnant, and David is, is worried. So he sends for her, her husband to come home from war, so uh, her husband can sleep with her, sort of pawn this off, and he's like, I'm not sleeping with my wife. I can't be having pleasure when, when all my people are out at war. I'm not doing it. So he goes back to war, but David sends word to have her husband put on the front lines so he's c- killed. David becomes a murderer. And at that point, David had nobody in his corner that was willing to call him out. All of his people were kind of like, I'm not, he's a king, man. He can, like, he can like take my head off, and he probably would have. None of us like being called out when it hurts, but we all need people in our lives that love us so much And that we know that no matter what, love us, that are willing to call us out when we're doing things wrong. And this comes along Nathan. Comes Nathan. See, many people around us tell us what we want to hear. But a good friend will help us see the truth. Now, there's a disclaimer here. I don't want a hundred people to come up to me after the service and be like, Hey man, let me tell you something about your speaking. I just feel like you need a Nathan in your life. <laughs> it happens. Like, but, as well, I have three or four people in my life that I know that wants to see me get better. That even if I'm a mess up, even if I'm screwing up, they're like, Lauren, look, I want you to get better. And we need those people in our lives. We need Nathans in our lives. Nathan called out David. Kind of put it this way. Constructive criticism helps us be better, Right? It's good to get better as individuals. But constructive criticism is only criticism if it's not back with relationship. How many people, how many times we were like, oh, I just have a constructive criticism for you? No relationship. It might, be, it might be truthful. It might actually help me. But if it's not built on relationship, I'm not listening. But everyone needs people in their lives that can, can candidly tell them the truth. No matter what. No matter what. So question for you this morning. What kind of friend are you in need of right now? I'm just to ask Ange to come back to the keys for a moment. So let us sink in. What kind of friend are you in need of right now? Someone who helps you be better? 
someone who calls out your destiny someone that helps you draw closer to God says hey you've had, been having a tough time uh, reading your Bible lately why don't we meet 630 at Denny's every single day for the next month let's read it together Are you in need of someone that tells you the truth about yourself no matter what? Sometimes you will find all three of those traits in one person. And sometimes you need three different friends in three different areas. And can I tell you something? You might be married here today, and that's not your husband, or that's not your wife or your husband, that's not your spouse. It's not your spouse's job to be your friend to be your friend in all areas. And sometimes I think we get it mixed up when we try, when we get married or when we look to our spouse to be our best friend. There's not, nothing wrong with them being our best friend, but, but your spouse can't tell you everything that you're doing wrong because it might lead to a fight because all of a sudden it's in the other person. It, it just doesn't work. You need friends. We need friends in our lives that can call us to be better, that we can call when, when life is just not great. And guess what? Guess where you can find them? right here you can find those friends at Discovery Church you can find those friends at another local church we need people in our lives that help us be better and people need you in their lives that help them be better kind of like yeah Lauren, I need friends. How do I, get, how do I start? How do I get there? Where, how, okay, I'm a part of Discovery Church. I've been coming for the last 40 minutes. Or I've been coming for the, since, since launch in last September. So it's, how, how do I get those friends? Well, guess what? We have windows of opportunity for us to get connected. One of the first ones are Discovery Groups. You're a lady here. Guess what? Tonight, there's a, there's a discovery group happening. Wednesday night, there's a men's group. We're meeting for wings. You're like, I like wings. Well, if you like wings, come out. If you don't like wings, you need friendships. Come out. Honestly, jump on online and, and just go into our website, mydiscoverychurch.ca. Click on groups and register for one. Somebody will email you, welcome you, just say, hey, this is why, where, we're, where we're meeting. This is if you need to bring anything, come, come hang out. You have to be intentional with friendships. Friendships are just automatically going to find you. Another way that we have a, have a window of opportunity to create friendships is our dream team. You hear us talking about, you hear me talking about our dream team every single week. And you're like, well, I don't want to be on a dream team because that means I got to show up at seven and I got to put an Allen key into this little hole and I got to turn that and I got to set up lights. I got to play the piano or I got to, no, no, no. We, we understand that our dream team is a, is a pipeline for volunteers, but our dream team was created that we can have connection through relationship and knowing that in relationship, our lives are changed and are bettered. So maybe you're, you've been coming to Discovery Church. Today might be your first time or you might've been, this might've been your 40th time. I don't even sure if we've been 40 times yet, but we're close. After the service, join me upstairs for next steps. At 11.15, 
Come and start a relationship with the people that you'll do next step with. Become a part of our dream team where we pray for each other. Honestly, it's been so cool. Even this past week, uh, there's somebody on our dream team that texts me and said, hey, we just need some people to pray. My, my family's just been evacuated uh, from a, a forest fire area in BC, and we just need some people to pray. And literally, we started praying. 15 minutes later, they're safe. They're back in their home. Friendships, right? Who do you call? Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's message from Discovery Church. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Please email us at info at mydiscoverychurch.ca.